Turn in God's Word to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. We read these well-known and beloved words of Scripture in connection with the teaching of our Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 1, found on page 3 in the back of the Psalter. Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, press these words on our hearts and minds today and in this week. On the basis of those words of Scripture and all of the Bible, we have the teaching of Lord's Day 1. Question and answer 1. What is thy only comfort in life and death? That I, with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who, with his precious blood, hath fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil, and so preserves me that without the will of my heavenly Father not a hair can fall from my head, yea, that all things must be subservient to my salvation, and therefore by his Holy Spirit He also assures me of eternal life and makes me sincerely willing and ready henceforth to live unto him. Question and answer two. How many things are necessary for thee to know that thou, enjoying this comfort, mayest live and die happily? Three. The first, how great my sins and miseries are. The second, how I may be delivered from all my sins and miseries. The third, how I shall express my gratitude to God for such deliverance. Our message this morning, beloved, brings together two well-known and beloved passages and paragraphs of Scripture and from our Reformed Confessions, Lord's Psalm 23 and Lord's Day 1. And with these two beloved passages, one from the Scriptures, the infallibly inspired Word of God of our Father unto us in Jesus Christ, and the other from the Heidelberg Catechism, one of our confessions that is based upon the scriptures, we have two, 
witnesses to our the truth to the truth of our comfort our only comfort in life and death for the scripture and the confession following the scripture testify to Jesus Christ and the truth that we belong to him and through him belong to our God who is our only good shepherd and we the sheep of his hand and the people of his pasture. In this message this morning we aren't going to try to explain every word of Psalm 23 and Lord's Day 1 but we are going to look at our only comfort as it's set forth in Psalm 23 and in Lord's Day 1. And we're going to notice that this is a personal comfort, a comfort for me personally, a comfort about which all of us need to be able to say, this is my only comfort in life and death. It isn't enough to say, this is the Christian's only comfort, or this is my loved one's only comfort in life and death. This is my only comfort in life and death. Secondly, we want to see that this comfort, our only comfort, is permanent. It isn't a comfort that is fleeting because it is not a comfort that is of this world. It is a comfort that is given by God through Christ and in the Spirit to those who are God's sheep. And third, this is a comfort that is practical. This is a comfort, as Lord's Day 1 teaches us, that has implications for our life. It is a comfort that says, not a hair can fall from our head. All things must be subservient to my salvation. And by His Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, And God our Father makes me sincerely willing and ready to live to Him. So let's consider this morning our only comfort. Personal, permanent, and practical. When we say that our only comfort in life and in death is personal, we mean that from from two points of view. And first... The Heidelberg Catechism's approach is what is thy only comfort, a personal approach. It comes to you and to me directly. It comes to our hearts. It addresses us in the deepest part of ourselves and asks when we consider that question, what is our answer? This personal approach of the Catechism follows the lead of Psalm 23. Because Psalm 23 is David's personal expression of his comfort in the truth and reality that God is his shepherd. The Lord, he says, is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. And so on through the psalm until... David expresses in verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David's comfort is personal. 
Now secondly, when we say that our only comfort is personal, we need to understand that it is this only comfort is ultimately not a thing or a feeling, but it is a person. It is not in something, but it is in someone. Jehovah the Lord. Ours is a personal comfort, not only because it is my only comfort, but because it is a comfort that rests in the person of who God is and in the person of Jesus Christ and is worked in us by the person of God the Holy Spirit. Our Christian comfort is exactly in saying we belong to the Lord, Jehovah, the one God who exists in three persons. This Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now let's unpack a bit more fully both of these ideas that our comfort is personal in the sense that it is our peculiar comfort and secondly that it rests in the person of who Jesus is. Let's first say that this, that our comfort is personal does not mean it's individualistic. Does not mean that it is for us and for no one else. Or that as we consider this question, everyone else is out of the picture. We just came through the Heidelberg Catechism's explanation of the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray, not my Father which art in heaven, but our Father which art in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our Christian faith is not individualistic. It is a covenantal faith. It is a faith in which God, as the Father, adopts us as His children and heirs in Jesus Christ and brings us to Himself through the Holy Spirit and unites us together in one family of faith in the relationship of friendship that He makes with us in Jesus Christ. But that does not mean that this is not personal to say now, I belong to this covenant. God is my God. I belong to Jesus Christ. Our faith is a personal faith that God establishes between us and Himself. And this also means that our Christian faith is more than a mere intellectual knowledge and confession of facts. It is more than head knowledge. It is more than taking a test and be able, being able to give all the right answers and give a good account of ourselves. But our faith is communion. It's the knowledge that is spiritual. It's the relational knowledge as that of good friends or between a husband and wife. God comes to us and He says, I am your shepherd. Do you have that comfort? 
Furthermore, the question of the Heidelberg Catechism is a personal question that is not discriminatory. It's a question for all. That's a question all of us who are in this church building need to face this morning. It's a personal question for all who may be listening to our service online, tuning in to hear what we're hearing this morning. This is a question for every child and young person. What is your comfort? And this is a question that we may ask to our neighbor or to our coworker who is unburdening themselves or who is sharing with us the struggles of their lives and in an appropriate pause in the conversation it is not inappropriate to ask them do you have comfort and what is your only comfort in life and death this is a question for us when we suffer affliction when we suffer setbacks and disappointments when we as David did pass through the valley of the shadow of death when we are as he says in verse 5 in the presence of our enemies when we feel the devil's assaults when we feel the world's temptations and when we are sensible to the raging of our own sinful nature inside of us what is our only comfort in life and death this is a question that comes to us in the discomfort of our situation of living in a sinful world a world of hurt a world of pain a world that is broken a world that is not perfect and that comes to us in the discomfort of our own sins and sinfulness our own personal battles with sin and with Satan and our own personal struggles against the trials and afflictions of life. In these struggles and these battles, we need a personal comfort, a personal assurance, a personal rest in the truth that God is our shepherd, that we are his sheep, that his hand leads us now and will lead us home. That's the language of Lord's Day 1, too. We are satisfied. Christ has satisfied for our sins. We are satisfied when that salvation is applied unto us. God preserves us. Comfort is preservation. And finally, comfort is assurance that God so preserves us that not a hair can fall from our heads, that He will avert all evil or turn it to our profit, and that He, by His hand, 
will follow us with his goodness and mercy all of our lives until he brings us to his heavenly home. This comfort is personal. Is it personal for you? Is this your only comfort in life and death? And now let's unpack a bit that second aspect of our personal comfort, that we belong to the, to the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That comfort, that personal comfort begins by saying, I am not my own. Let's not leave that out of the picture. Our comfort is that we are not our own. That we do not belong to ourselves. That we are not in control of our own lives. That we do not take a step on our own. Or determine one aspect of our earthly or spiritual existence. This is our comfort in our distresses. When we pass through the valley of the shadow of death. That we are not our own. This is our comfort as we battle sin and Satan, and temptation daily, that we are not our own. This is our comfort. When God leads us in green pastures, and by the still waters, we are not our own. This was David's comfort. That he did not belong to himself, but that the Lord was his shepherd. And therefore, He lacked nothing. Psalm 23 is an exaltation in the truth that we are not our own, but are delivered from ourselves. That we are not our own slaves, but that we are the sheep of God's pasture. We can forget this of course and we can think that comfort is found in the freedom to do what we want the freedom to live the way that we please the the freedom to chart our own course to set our own goals to make our own way and never to pray thy will be done never to stop and confess the lord is my shepherd i shall not want He leads me. The Heidelberg Catechism reminds us that we are not our own by speaking of Jesus as our Lord. He, the one who has bought us, the one who has paid the price for our sins, is our owner. He directs our life. He leads us according to His will. That's the negative. The positive is that we belong to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our comfort is, personally, that I am not my own, but that I belong to Jesus. He is my Lord because He is my Savior. He is the Lord that David confesses in Psalm 23. The Lord Jehovah, Jehovah God, as He became flesh in the man Jesus Christ as He lived the perfect life, as He died a death obedient to the will of God, to pour out His blood, to cover our sins, 
to purchase us and to make full satisfaction to the justice of God for our transgressions. To be, as we heard last Sunday evening, the propitiation for our sins. Jesus is our Savior. And because He has redeemed us, as the Heidelberg Catechism will say in a later Lord's Day, not with gold or silver, but with His precious blood, He is our Lord, who owns us, who leads us, who feeds us, and who finally brings us home. We belong to a person. Our only comfort is found in a person. And this is the gospel too. The gospel is not about a set of facts or a proposition, but the gospel that declares to you and me our only comfort declares the person of Jesus Christ, who He is, what He has done, what He is doing now in your life and mine. And how He will bring us to God's house and perfect our salvation. We belong to Jesus. Jesus has freed us from the guilt and power of sin. He satisfied with His precious blood for all of our sins. Our only comfort is a total comfort in the person of Jesus who fully satisfied for all of our sins. Not some. And He redeems us from all the power of the devil. Is it your only comfort that sin no longer reigns in you? That sin is not the dominant power in your life because Jesus has delivered you from the power of sin, from the power of Satan, and from the power and dominion of depravity. Jesus delivers us from the force of darkness. The rod and staff of Satan's tyranny is replaced with the rod and staff of the Word and Spirit of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The one who rules our life is the one who laid down his life to save us. We belong to him. This is our personal comfort, is it? By God's grace, it certainly is. This comfort not only is personal, but it is permanent. And it's permanent because it is personal. In fact, we can say because it is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ, our comfort is permanent. Christ is God. God is eternal. So is our comfort. It is a comfort for life and death. It is a comfort for time and and eternity. Jesus does not only redeem us. 
He preserves us. The Catechism says this because the Bible says this. And Psalm 23 speaks powerfully to God's preservation of us. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. We can understand that in a spiritual sense. He feeds us on Christ. He renews us with the living water who is Jesus Christ. We can also understand that in the physical sense. In our lives. When our lives are like green pastures. When the waters of our life are quiet. That is a gift from God. That is a work of His providential preservation of our lives. When He gives us our daily bread. As we pray for it in Jesus name. That is His work of upholding us. Psalm 23 verse 3 speaks of God preserving us by restoring our souls. He restores our souls. This is to be understood as conversion or repentance. Jesus converts our souls. He does that in the first sense when He sends His Spirit into our hearts to give us new life, to turn us forever from slavery to sin, to service and salvation through salvation in God. But He does that too in continual conversion throughout our life of sanctification. He works in us so that we turn from our sins to God, so that we repent of our sins and leave our sins and forsake our sins and hate our sins. And then, having restored our souls, He guides us, He leads us in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. In the paths of thankfulness conformity and obedience to the law and word of God. As our shepherd, the Lord, God, and the Lord Jesus Christ preserve us amidst many dangers, toils, and afflictions. David makes mention of the valley of the shadow of death. The scriptures elsewhere speak with the same language. Those dark times of life where death overshadows us, where we are sick, where we are diseased, where we battle with ongoing pain, where we struggle with the darkness of a depressed spirit and a cast-down soul that remind us that this life is fleeting, that death is looming, But in that valley, our God is with us, closer to us than we are to ourselves, comforting with His rod and staff the promises of His Word and the presence of His Spirit. Our Savior leads, preserves us by preparing a table in the presence of our enemies. That's a figure of communion and fellowship 
when you sit down to your meal. That means that you've accomplished your work. That means that you are at peace in your homes. And that means that you are ready to enjoy the good things that the Lord has given you. God does that for us in the midst of this world of turbulence and trouble and toil and pain. He brings us here on His day, preparing a table for us in the presence of our enemies so that we feed on Christ by faith, so that we are satisfied with the goodness of His house, so that we are strengthened through spiritual food for a life and a battle for another week. And finally, God (coughs) preserves us by following us with the goodness and mercy of His steadfast covenant love and kindness. His goodness and His mercy His kindness and His tender pity and compassion upon us. The Heidelberg Catechism, as we already pointed out, summarizes God through Christ preserving us in this very memorable way that even children can understand. God in Jesus keeps us so that not a hair can fall from our heads. Jesus said in Luke 12, verse 7, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Children, have you ever wondered how many hairs are on your head? Have you ever seen one of your hairs fall out to the ground? Or if you're... If you're Father's combing your hair, or if your mother's braiding your hair, you see hairs on the comb or on the hairbrush. When you see that, think God wanted those hairs to fall out. He knows each one. Think. My only comfort in life and death is that I am not my own, but I belong to Jesus, who so preserves me, that not a hair can fall from my head. This kind of permanent, this permanent comfort, this preservation, gives us the courage to live. It gave David the courage to live. Not, out of himself, not in his own strength, not by his own power or wisdom, but because the Lord was his shepherd. It gave him courage to go through the valley of the shadow of death with his eyes open. Gave him the courage to sit down in the presence of his enemies. So with us, We do not take as our only comfort this morning, we do not take from these words that God will give us permanent joy and happiness in our life. God will give us permanently a trouble-free and trial-free and affliction-free life in this world. The Bible never promises that. The Bible never promises freedom 
from suffering or pain or affliction, even to God's sheep. We must, through many tribulations, enter into the kingdom of God. But what the Scriptures and what the Catechism reminds us is the the Scriptures do promise that the Jesus we belong to so preserves us that without His will not a hair can fall from our head, that all evil will be beaten away by God's rod or that it will be turned to our profit. That the rod and staff of God's word and spirit will lead us and guide us and keep us. The other aspect of the permanence of our comfort is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible in Psalm 23 teaches us that God, the Lord, is our shepherd. The Heidelberg Catechism speaks of God the Father, God our Heavenly Father. It speaks mostly, Lord's Day 1 does, of Jesus Christ, our faithful Savior who we belong to, who has fully satisfied for our sins and delivered us from all the power of the devil, but it also speaks of Jesus assuring us by His Holy Spirit of eternal life and making us willing and ready sincerely to live to Him. Those are not extra words, those last words of Lord's Day 1. They're very important. The Holy Spirit is the comforter of God's people. That's what Jesus called Him in John 13 through 16 the other comforter that Jesus would send when He went away from us. And now the Catechism speaks the same language as the Scriptures, as Psalm 23, especially verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That speaks to the assurance that we have as believers that the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life is the presence of Christ preserving us as His people. Because the guilt of sin has been atoned for, because we have been delivered from the power of death and are now the possession of Jesus Christ, because we are inhabited by the Spirit of Christ, it is sure that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Heidelberg Catechism speaks of eternal life. The Spirit assures me of eternal life. Psalm 23 illustrates what eternal life is with the beautiful figure of the house of the Lord. Think of a house and a home. Your house and home. Perhaps that's, that's not, that doesn't immediately bring you feelings of, of great joy or, or, or peace or, or contentment or happiness. But the idea of a home and a house is a place where a family lives together in security, in safety, 
in love, sheltered from evil and malevolent forces outside the home that threaten those within, together in the security of their family relationship. With father, mother, children, gathered together around a table or in communion, enjoying each other's presence and building each other up. The Spirit assures us of the house of the Lord that is our everlasting dwelling place. Assures us that we live in that house now, really, by being members of God's covenant and family. Being children of our Heavenly Father who has chosen us, who has adopted us, who sent His only begotten Son to lay down His life for us, to deliver us from all the power of the devil. We live in His house now. We are members of His family. There comes a day when that will be gloriously revealed in heaven where all the children of God, all the sheep of God's pasture, all the people of His hand will be gathered in one place, in one glorious multitude that cannot be numbered, in one redeemed host, before their only Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And beholding the face of Christ, will behold the face of God. Does the Spirit assure you of that? Do you have the permanent comfort that is personally found only in Jesus Christ? Do you know and believe that you belong to Him that your heavenly Father so cares for you that all things must serve your salvation? Do you believe, do you know the presence of the Spirit assuring you of eternal life? We'll talk more about this tonight when we consider a biblical response to the doubts that we sometimes have as believers the doubts of our salvation, the doubts that God is with us, the doubts that God is truly our Heavenly Father, that He does indeed so care for us that without His will, not a hair can fall from our head. The doubts that we have, that we belong to Jesus, or that we will finally dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We can say now that our biblical response to those doubts begins simply with this. Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now what practical implications does our only comfort have for our life? 
has practical implications because it is personal. Remember that part of our personal comfort, the first part, is that we do not belong to ourselves. So, not belonging to ourselves means that we don't live for ourselves. Understanding that we are not our own means that we do not live as though we were our own. Our old self does make us willing and ready henceforth to live to ourselves, does want us to live unto ourselves. But our new regenerated life that Jesus gives us by which He delivers us from all the power of the devil, makes us willing and ready to live to Him and to God. Joyful Christian living by faith and an attitude where self is the center of everything is a contradiction in terms. The proof that we have personal comfort of belonging to Jesus is that we are willing and ready to live to Him from this day forward. Jesus does not leave us to do that on our own. As we said already, the Catechism points out that He makes us by His Holy Spirit willing and able to do this. Secondly, the permanence of our comfort assures us and implies for our life that we can live confidently. We need to understand this, and the Heidelberg Catechism points this out by, by not saying that our new life is made up of living for the Lord perfectly. The practical implication of our only comfort that we belong to Christ, that we are delivered from the power of sin, also recognizes that in this life we are not delivered from the presence of sin. We do not live without stumbling. We do not live without going astray. It's impossible that in this life we live perfectly, trusting in God to lead us and to guide us, to care for us, and finally to bring us home. But we do know that once God has begun His shepherding work in us through Christ, of delivering us from all the power of sin, He bends our will toward His will. He gives us a new heart. He gives us the desire to find joy in Him. And yet our indwelling imperfectness, our indwelling sin, our indwelling doubt, 
does make us desire perfect redemption in the life to come. Beloved, this is our comfort. Personal, permanent, and practical. It begins with this simple declaration. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And it ends with this powerful affirmation. Surely the Lord's goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May God grant this to us. May Jesus continue to preserve us and by his Holy Spirit assure us and press more deeply in our hearts and minds that we belong to Jesus, that we are not our own, and that our Heavenly Father cares for us and will bring us home. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank Thee for our only comfort in life and death as it is from Thee, in Jesus, and by Thy Holy Spirit. We pray that it may be personal for each one of us, old and young, aged and children, married and single. We pray that we may have this comfort as our permanent, experience and enjoyment in this life and that it may practically empty us of all selfishness that it may sh- that it may show us our sin and weakness our need for complete dependence upon God and may it make us long in this life for the life that is to come. We pray that we may have this comfort at all times, especially in the dark times and that thou wilt send us away this morning with the joyful song The Lord is that thou art our shepherd, and we have no want. In Jesus' name, amen.